And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Two Backset Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas, a.k.a. Mr. Warburg. Joining me, as always, is Patrick, a.k.a. Mr. Fusion. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to my favorite time of the year, guys. Indeed, it is the week. What? It's the week. There are the words. It is the week of the Red River rivalry, a.k.a. the old Red River shootout. Yep. The Fusion. Do we want to start there? Where do we want to start? Of course, letting everybody know. No, let's let's catch up on everything that went on. Let's talk gossip on college football before we go through our Yeah, we are, man. of course, going to be talking about week six. Um, yep. It's our episode six, so naturally that's where we're talking. As we were about getting ready to record, I was going through my rundown, making sure I have all the notes that I wanted. Some ma- major news broke in regards to one of our two favorite the programs we follow. Obviously, I'm Iowa. Fusion is Texas, if you couldn't tell by the gear. I'm also wearing twins today because they won their first series in the playoffs since I was 12 years old, which is absolutely wild. Old Steady Eddie got the last series win in uh, in twins history, Pl- taking on Hu- Fusion's Houston Astro- Astros. Yep. Yes. When does that series start? Uh, uh, Saturday. Yeah, so it's this weekend. Yes, this weekend it's going to be uh, former Astro Carlos Correa will be taking on the Astros. Man. Yes, this is going to be, and I'm very excited. Like the Twins, it, this this year feels a little different, and partly because they've got some rookies, or one rookie in particular that's like, oh, that dude, that dude might be an all timer, Royce Lewis. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy's had four Grand Slams this year. He already had two two homers against the Jays. Like he's like off to a great start his rookie season. So. Uh, it feel it feels good, and our pitching is way better than it has been in quite some time. That was always the Achilles heel of the last like Buck, Byron Buxton kind of era Twins, but yeah. that's not the case this year. The pitching's legit. So, but that, well, that's enough baseball. I'm, I'm not going to give any prognostication. It should just be hopefully a good series. So the the news that broke that was affecting an Iowa team and it affects Iowa state as well, because we covered this early in our show's run, like episode one and two covered the gambling controversy and scandal, because that was when the punishments were being handed down for a bunch of Iowa players and Iowa state guys. One of the biggest ones was Noah Shannon because he was presumably Iowa's inside defensive, like our interior anchor on the defensive line, which has been decent, but isn't generating a pass rush so far into the season because he's out for the year. Well, it turns out that might not be the case much longer because according to several sources, uh, I I follow a few Iowa beat guys uh, on Twitter, and then I've started seeing some national people pick this up even closer to our broadcast. So clearly they were doing some background work and double-checking sources. And it really does sound like the NCAA this week, potentially this week, is going to vote on new gambling rules with retroactive, retroactive lighter punishments, especially for first-time offenders which would mean reinstatement for almost everybody that didn't bet on their own games. So the rundown is basically this. This involves not betting on your own team. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say non-football, though. So like if you bet on basketball, technically that's okay, as long as it's okay. not your team. I think that's a slippery slope because people talk to each other, especially in the NIL era where transfers are rampant, right? Like you gotta, I, I don't think they should do that. But for the first time, non-team bet, it would basically be no punishment other than you need to take an education class and you have to like show and prove, hey, I'm proving not just to my school, but to the NCAA that I understand I can't do this again. The second time is when suspensions start rolling in. And that was, that's when you get to dollar level limit, which I also don't agree with because some people have more money. I think based, I, I think you have to do it by the number of bets, not the amount because guys that get great NIL deals, guess what? They got more cash. Yep. And that like that doesn't mean they should get punished more or less. It should be about, I think the number and the what that you get bet on, not the how much. Yeah. At least in terms of the dollar amount. And then the third offense would be season long suspension or more. And obviously it's a season to career long suspension. If you bet on your team. And I think you should say that on your sport. Sure. I think they should broaden that to the sport as a whole, which is basically what every other league does in professional sports, right? Like you just can't bet on your sport. If you want to bet on NASCAR, go nuts, right? If you're in the NFL, if you want to bet on basketball, go nuts, but you can't bet on NFL games. UFC guys can even bet on their own matches as long as they don't bet against themselves. Like everyone's more lenient on it than the NCAA has been. 
and Shannon not getting the suspension appeal like revoked, getting be able to play this season, I think that put a major onus. Not only that, but I don't know if you've been following this fusion, but several of the Iowa State players have basically gotten the state to be like, "Yeah, we fucked up. You maybe didn't break the law. Whoops." Like so, that changes the conversation as well, because then because then you go in. Oh, this was like a maybe was this a targeted thing and they broke a lot of rules and regulations to get this data? Did they not do everything by the book? Which would be a huge black eye on the DCI if that if that blowback yeah. keeps coming on their investigation. Especially if the Iowa guys start pushing back as hard. Didn't you mention that because of the fact that there was us multiple players used fake names or family members across state lines that there were potentially invest being investigations being made on potential criminal charges right they all pled so the charges were mostly dropped they just took lower misdemeanors okay no so no prison say, time was involved and it shouldn't say, be for betting if they didn't if they didn't obtain the this information this data illegally then all of that's inadmissible. Anyway, exactly. You know? Like it's going to get very yeah. tricky, especially with there was an Iowa state guy whose NFL career got messed up yep. because he was coming back to campus to work out and was doing betting. So like that, that's going to get very sticky very quickly this off season. Once like the court system starts actually picking up uh, this case. So that's definitely a piece of the puzzle to, to view. But for me to get more back to week six, if Noah Shannon can play, I don't know if Iowa's not the favorite in every single game they play this year. He is that good of a lineman. Like, there was a reason he was a preseason All-Big Ten selection. He was that good. And we're not getting yeah. a pass rush, and all of a sudden, they do? That changes the game, because you got to double-team that dude. You have to. He's been working with the team. He's still been getting reps. So you wonder if Kirk knew, like, hey, this ain't done. I'm not dropping this fight, because the guy's still getting yeah. reps. Sure. So he's going to be ready to play. Because uh, Yaha Black, Deontay Craig, Joe Evans, if they get one-on-ones, they're going to get home fairly frequently if Noah Shannon can start kind of becoming that vacuum in the middle of the defensive line, pulling a, pulling attention. And that, that changes my outlook on the whole defense because that's the biggest flaw. They're not getting pressure. They're still getting turnovers decently. They had four against Michigan State. They're still tackling very well. They're still playing very disciplined, not committing penalties. They're just not getting the sacks. They're way under pace from the last few years. They had like, what, they had 37 last year, something like that? They had like two all season so far and zero against Power 5 competition. That's not good enough. Those numbers change if Noah Shannon's in the lineup. That, that's pretty interesting for me, and I just wanted to start there because it was such breaking news. Sure. compared to the rest of our talk, which will be a little week five recap. So Fusion, any, anything with those new rules that kind of jump out at you? Um, I, I think the big thing is the retroactive approach. I understand, like you said, that they may have kind of screwed up and jumped the gun on things. I, I was torn because initially I thought that like every player involved early on was this was really a dumb thing for them to do. And I still stand by that just because... Oh, yeah, I'm not know, disagreeing. Somebody had to have told them, don't do this on campus. Don't, don't, don't bet on the same sport. Don't bet on the fucking team. Like there, like somebody around them had to have like had some type of like moment of clarity, like providing them some moment of clarity. And they just went forward with it. It becomes a very gray area because of NIL, like you said, but you know, like you said, maybe they go when they bet on basketball. Problem is, is that if it's, if you're in the same school, there's the history of college basketball and point shaving. Let's be real. Since the seventies, that's happened oh, multiple yeah. occasions, right? So it's like, okay, at some point you want to call, they could, somebody could call into question the, the validity of a player's, you know, performance based off of, oh yeah, I have people putting money on me and I want to make some cash off of that. Like there were, there's a lot of things to unpack here. Just like the NIL, just like the, there's just so much going on in college football right now in terms of outside of the actual games themselves that we have to see kind of settle in, you know, over the next 12 to 12 to 18 months. And I think this is a big one. Now, the retroactive thing is interesting to me because it's basically saying like, hey, we're going to give give these guys the opportunity to get back on, a lot. Several of these guys get back on the field. Some of them that can't anymore. Based off of the information that's there. Do they seek lawsuits? Like, what do they do? Do they go, like, or... I don't think or... against the NCAA they'd have any ounce of standing because sure. they don't 
NCAA, the NCAA does not have to care about the legally obtained data. Yeah. It's it's just there, right? Now the guys the guys that pled out their charges, the criminal charges, and they're done anyway because most of them done. bet on their own teams. Yeah. Well, there's nothing for them once they have criminal charges. They pled that when pleading means you plead a level of, of guilt. And, um, you know, yeah, unless the state comes down and the judge vacates it, which would be very interesting if that happens. But yeah. I think I think if that happens, then you could see, you know, multiple lawsuits get yeah, filed, and that would be specifically against the DCI and yep. maybe even the individual agents regarding that task force. So the thing is, is that if, if that would happen and those lawsuits would get filed in the DCI, my thought would be the Department of Justice would have to open up an investigation into the DCI, like to really find out where, like where they got that information, who they got it from, like, you know. And the fact uh, that it was only Iowa, Iowa State, not you yep. and I, not Drake. Nope. You know, like that so, was weird. That was weird from the jump. Exactly. So I think there's... I think we haven't heard the ending to this story. Like I'm talking about from the football, from the actual football standpoint, we're getting closer towards that settling. But the next chapter of like what happened, what what took place to get us to get us here, the mechanics involved, what, you know, the legality of the mechanics involved, like what all of that stuff are there lawsuits. So those are different layers that we can get to later on down the road. But like you said, it's just it's just interesting to think that Shannon could be on the field this weekend. You know? Yeah, which is wild to me. I I didn't think it would happen after the appeal no. was turned down. It's it, it's actually I like the fact that that there weren't any restrictions to let him practice with the team. You know. Yeah, because like practice. Kirk was going to even have him at Big Ten Media Days, and he knew what he bet on. Yep. Like Kirk has been. I'm going to stand by my dude because I don't think he did anything wrong. Like capital W wrong. Yeah. You know, like, he broke a rule, but he bet on a tournament game, like. Caitlin Clark and the girls, they weren't even in the state. You know, they were down in Dallas. That was where the that was where the final four was, right? Yep. You know, like and he got swept up in all that. Like obviously broke a rule. And the, the, there had to be a punishment there. But it being retroactive, I can't believe I, it's happening. I was actually talking with someone on Reddit today. I was like, in a perfect world, the NCAA is this progressive, you know, fighting for the student athletes organization. That's just not the world we live in. I was like, there's no way they do retroactive changes. It'll be an off-season rule change, and nothing will happen this year. I'm ab- And that was only four hours ago I posted that on Reddit. I'm absolutely stunned. They're like, oh, and the punishments will be retroactive to the players currently suspended. You guys can just fucking do that? Like, you can't do that for everybody else. Like, fucking, is it Tez Walker? Like, you can't do that. Yeah. But you can do this. Like, that's... The NCAA just... Even by doing the, the right thing here, which is, hey, our punishment was maybe a little heavy-handed in the specific instances like Noah Shannon's. We got it wrong. Let's try to fix it. Or you can do it now, but you, which you couldn't do it then. It's just even doing it right, they set themselves up for failure because of how many other wrong things they do. It's just another case for people to complain about the NCAA. Like you said, stacking it next to Tez Walker, which is just... A travesty that the, that he's not allowed to step on the field. That, you it's know, that's just, just wrong. It's just yeah, and I get Mac Brown stands by him, and but at the same time, the last thing Mac wants to do is create any type of political issues with the NCAA by just saying to hell with it. I'm going to put him. I'm going to let him play. You know, because technically, if Mac they, really yeah, wants, if they to, win an NC, if they win the ACC, the NCAA, if you know, they're like, hey, you don't get. Well, they don't really see postseason play. Nope. But like. You want to bet they don't have something in the chamber for their other sports? Yeah. Like the only the sticky. only way. Yeah, I mean, like they like you said. I mean, they can't. They're not involved with the college football playoffs. But they so could they vacate could, max wins. They could vacate max wins. That would be the main thing they would. That would probably be the first thing they would do. But still, like, there's just yeah. It's one of those things where it's like be consistent. The NCAA. Roger, like if they do this going forward, well. like the hey, we're going to take a holistic, you know big picture view of the sport sure kudos do that going forward which is what everybody was hoping after mark emmert stepped down right it sure didn't seem like they were getting off to that foot with the transfer rules and they also yeah. tighten those the window is now much shorter it's like 45 days yep that's i think a positive change as well so i like that couple yep. those two yeah, things together and all of a sudden oh hey that's two good decisions in a row by the ncaa you know we go you know go take out a lottery ticket because everybody's getting lucky right now <laughs> Like, but then they shit the bed back to back with with 
Iowa now with the uh, well, both North Carolina and Iowa, but yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I, I just yeah, I really I really wish they would be a little more consistent. Agreed. So let's move off the rules talk, and since I did a lot of talking at the beginning, how about you talk about your week five Texas Longhorns? Oh man, you know, I really liked what I saw. Well, let, let's start with this. A lot of folks are talking about they didn't face Jalen Daniels. You know, that was a big deal, right? And I agree to an extent, but what I saw was a defense that was dominant, like at the line of scrimmage. They were the same defense that was dominant against Alabama, you know? I, I, I really like what I saw this week. I thought there were a lot of growing pains in the first quarter, but after that, the team really locked in. Now, it, it, there's a couple of things that, to think about now. Uh, Jatavion Sanders, their star tight end, he may not play this week. He's day-to-day. Uh, their senior cornerback, Ryan Watts, the transfer from, from Ohio State, he's been uh, he's been limited in practice. It's crucial for both of those guys to play just because JT Sanders creates this level of he opens up the entire field for the rest of the receiving core right up the right up the middle, right? Uh, Ryan Watts is a great man-to-man cornerback. That's also excellent in rush and in in, uh, in, uh, in the running game, stopping the running game. So I really like. I looked at this game and I thought, okay, this is a team that that turned a lot of heads. You and I had conversations on Discord about this, and I had you know with a few other folks like, is Texas the number one team in the country, man? Are they? I mean, at this point, like, because Michigan and Georgia haven't played anybody, but. I get it. George is the back-to-back. Miss uh, Michigan is the, the the team that the media loves to want to put on a pedestal, but you know Texas has earned a lot of respect with the way they've played and who they've played up to this point. Now, obviously, this weekend they go into Dallas and they face the Sooners, and you know that team has been running up the score as 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 close as they can on people. But I did see some holes the last couple of weeks from Oklahoma, and I think that this. This could be a very interesting game, a very physical game because it always is. But man, I'm just I'm really excited right now. You know, watching that game, uh, watching that Kansas game, it really made me feel like this team could win, could really win it all. Honestly, they beat Oklahoma. It, I mean, the path is there for them to the playoff. Man, Agreed. it really is. And I think if they beat Oklahoma, of course, obviously, I think does Michigan have a bye or are they playing this week? They, I believe, are playing this week. Let me double check the schedule here. Georgia's playing Kentucky, which is a big game for them. Oh yeah, Michigan's got Minnesota. Yep. Yeah, Minnesota. So and that's not going to move the needle. So no. I mean, obviously, if Georgia rolls Kentucky, they're probably going to stay number one. Obviously, yep. But you could make the case if Georgia's in a dogfight and Texas destroys Oklahoma, I-, I could see them jumping. I really could. But would they vault? They would vault Michigan. I agree. Like, and I could see it because, like, you got to. I could see the voters going well, coming that off way. of you beat the twenty. You you beat the number twenty four team, and then you come in, you beat what, and what you is beat Oklahoma? Alabama. Like the voters, I think. Yeah. I think you'd start to see that, you know, that kind of crescendo in terms of oh shit, Texas really is back. Yeah, they've beaten three top twenty five teams within a five week period. Like exactly, we I, ha- and we I have think... to. Yeah, I think in the absence of Michigan playing a good team and having a, yeah. a good win, and if Georgia struggles, even if they win, I could absolutely see the voters being like, no, you know, the best team on the field we've seen right now is Texas. They, assuming, of course, they win handedly. Yeah. Which I think if Iowa State can put up, you know, that first half, Iowa State was moving the ball pretty good. Oh, yeah. They put up 20 points in the first half against Oklahoma. Yeah, that was, you know, that was when they, including they gave up a pick six right away. Like, they threw a pick and six. It was like, oh, I thought the game was over right and then. Cincinnati, Cincinnati kept kept it close until, you know, the fourth quarter. Exactly. You know, that, and so. yeah, it's just, think, it's, think, yeah. yeah, it'll be an interesting weekend depending on, you know, scores and matchups and stuff. But I was very happy to see the way they took, uh, week five against against Kansas because that I think that turned a lot of heads because there were questions about the run game and I think Jonathan Brooks becoming their number one guy and the and the freshman CJ Baxter who I thought would be the number one guy uh being the number two but like they they're establishing a run game that is able to push the needle to open up the pass game but then you know you have targets all over the field for Texas 
you know, and offensively, as as long as Quinn Ewers is not in kind of as long as he finds his rhythm early on, the offense has a good pacing. The defense holds its own, and it's a, it's a deep defense. They have freshmen and backups that are they're, they're like three or four men deep on the front on the, on the line and, and at linebacker now. And the only thing they're really missing is like a true destructive edge, which they're they're supposed to be bringing in two kids next year uh, to do that. That's really it. But it's not like they're not disruptive because they're constantly disruptive. Um, but you know the, the 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 knock is oh they haven't played a starting quarterback at this point, which okay that's that's fair. Well, you know what they're going to face two like a team with two really good quarterbacks this week. You know that's that's the reality of it and. They go, if they march into Dallas and they beat the shit out of Oklahoma, I think that's it. That team should be number one. Like there should be no arguments about it because every team being put in front of them, they are deconstructing them each week. That said, Georgia is playing Kentucky, who is ranked now at twenty. Georgia beats like just stomps on Kentucky, which they're going to do their best to run up the score. They need to, right? They see, they know that looking in the rearview, Texas is right there, and. People are starting to question it a little bit, and Georgia hasn't faced anybody. They, you know, people are starting to say, okay, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. Their defense isn't ranked as high as we thought they were. Okay, this is a good, this is their first big test, you know. And mm-hmm. Michigan has, I mean, I mean, when's their who's their next who who's their first real opponent? Let me look at their schedule isn't, here. Isn't I know like they got Penn State weeks? coming up. Yeah, yeah, but that's, but that's not, several. That's, that's way later in the season. They have. I mean, ugh, they got Indiana, mess. Michigan State, Purdue. I mean, they got to go at Penn State, which I think you pencil Michigan for a loss there, as it stands right now. Right, right now, yes. And then home against Ohio State to cap the season for the game. And we're going to learn something about Maryland this week when they face Ohio State because Maryland's five and zero. They're undefeated in that conference. I will say they this: have... Maryland has been undefeated in several Septembers. Okay, that's fair. Do, that's do they fair. turn into October Maryland again? Okay, if they turn into a pumpkin, uh, pumpkin this Saturday is the time for it, right? They're going to go, they're playing in Ohio State at, at the Horseshoe, right? I believe so. Let me go back to the full scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're at the shoe. Yeah, so if, as, if they can keep up with Ohio State, that will make that game interesting for Michigan as well, but... You know, Michigan, over the next, what, four weeks, they've got nothing on their schedule. Yeah, their schedule is just so bad. So maybe they, maybe they, okay, so if Texas wins Yeah, that's Saturday, what I'm saying. Like, because of competition, I think you give Texas the nod at least to number two, two yeah. if not the vault to number one. And that all depends on how, what, how Texas, uh, Georgia and Kentucky look. Like, exactly. That's true as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and say, so, watch Mike Stoops, just Mark Stoops. Yeah. Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops. Wrong Stoops. Ah, all the Stoops brothers. Got that <laughs> Iowa tie. But, uh, yeah, they, if, say, they roll into Georgia and just win, you know, like, they're a good team. Yeah. I don't think they're going to, but no. it wouldn't be, for me, it wouldn't be, like, upset of the century. Like, they're ranked number 20 for a reason. They're damn good. So, that'll be definitely one of my games to watch. That is the evening game on ESPN, 6 o'clock. For yep. Kentucky, Georgia, Oklahoma, Texas is 11 a.m. on ABC. That's the national broadcast. That's one of they're both our pick'em games this week. Yep. yep, yep, yep. So before I get into my diatribe about the Iowa Hawkeyes state of the offense, uh, our pick'em games are as follows. So we have Texas at Oklahoma, which is technically neutral site. Yep. Uh, they they the one where they do the 50-50 split. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful man. It's, it's like... a it's a because it's at the state fair. It's at the State Fair of Texas over at the Cotton Bowl, which I will tell you, it's it's all about like just history, but that stadium's a fucking dump. It is just horrible. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what I've I, heard from a lot of people that have been to those games. Yeah, like you don't want to drink a shit ton of beer at the State Fair before you walk over the Cotton Bowl because if you have to go take a leak, man, those those bathrooms are are just horrible. They're just scary. Their second, the scariest college stadium bathrooms I've ever been in were Kyle Field before the renovation a few years ago. Those were horrible. Do you think, do you they think only, the state steps in to be like, hey, here's some money to renovate it in a serious, um, in a serious way? It all depends. Well, here's the thing, though, is that I think Jerry Jones has been begging to move that game over there to Jerry World. For I, a I, I would fight that if I'm Oklahoma and Texas. I'd be like, no, it's a state fair tradition. You yeah. want to have it in an outdoor stadium. The weather's great. Like, 
you don't want to have this in an indoor oh, arena. Man, this, this weekend's going to be beautiful. You know, it's going to yeah. be a beautiful weekend for us. It's going to be a lot cooler. Um, my thought with this is that the Cotton Bowl does need a major renovation. So what do you do? Do you take a year and do a neutral somewhere? Yeah, do you do Jerry World for a year while you're renovating? I mean, they did it one year. Didn't they do it one year over there at Jerry World? I could have sworn. I, I remember there being one of them there. One of them. I think that and was the it year. It, was that the year the year when they did the new Meg, uh, Jumbotron? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I will tell you this, though. Um, neither school's fan bases were very happy. We're happy about that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the fan bases, the, a, the AD's offices should both be like, no. No. They're like, we'll, we'll give it to you, like, maybe once every five years. Maybe if you help us renovate the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. Here's the other thing, though, is that I, it, it just occurred to me. The construction of the ACC with their California teams, they've talked about the Dallas being the neutral location for home games for, for Cal and Stanford, right? Mm-hmm. Did okay. they get involved in that? So that's a, my thought is, is that why can't multiple schools, both the SEC and the ACC, talk with the state to get a deal struck to renovate the Cotton Bowl? Like, why not, man? Because it's a college environment, you know? Yeah, I mean, it Jared, was one of the big games for the yeah, bowl season. It, was, it really was. It was. Well, in the 50s and 60s, it was the it was, game. Yeah, it was the bowl. And then the Rose Bowl uh, became the big game, but then it would be, you know... And that, that stadium's in a similar situation where it's getting yeah. kind of long in the tooth since its last well, major update. I was there in 07 when the Longhorns won the title, and I will tell you, it was a dump in 07, the Rose yeah. Bowl. It's, it's yeah. yeah. But, you know, man, hey, if Happy Valley can get their renovation, if, you know, the, the Horseshoe can get their renovation, if... Death Valley, both in LSU and over at Clemson, can get their renovations all, and even Texas. You know, the, you know, DKR has had some major renovations that it looks spectacular now. You couldn't even tell that it has old bones, right? There is there is a way to renovate that place. It's just you're gonna have to spend a year somewhere, yeah. whether it be Jerry yeah. World or not. So that'll be definitely um, something but, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I like. I mean, I'm you know, you and I are big college football guys. I think that that's a stadium that they can't just tear down. Or no, I, I, if there's if there's the will to do it, which I think there is, I think they got to do it. Yeah, you don't want to see that, that history just yeah. get ripped down. Yep, not, especially because it's not, such a no, cool, no. unique thing. It's part of your state fair for right. this game. Like, who else does that? Even even we don't do that in Iowa. Like our state fair is similarly one of like you know the big state fairs. Yep. It's just too early to have a football game because it's too fucking hot. Right. But. Even we don't tie it into the football game. We could. If we moved our state fair back two weeks, we absolutely could. But we don't. Like, And because they, they have the home and home, it's not a neutral site thing. That's just so unique yeah. to college football. Yep. That the shared neutral site that both states come to. That's fucking cool. I mean, when you look at the numbers, it's like an hour and a half from Austin to Dallas. Almost the same from, you know, from Norman to Dallas. Like the red river the like when you look at how like this is as neutral as a neutral site gets like it's as close to yeah it's 50, like yeah it's close it. to right in the middle yep and i've had so many i've been to many uh a red river shootout i still call it the shootout i've been to many of them in my life and i will tell you yes i am not proud to say it i have gotten into fights with sooners over the years but you know hey, hey the things that happen in football games right you know it just, just happens you, you know, you drink a lot of beer, you eat fried food, and at the end of the game, you know, if 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 it was a fun game and not a blowout, you may have a beer or two with the guy across the aisle. You know, it it, it could happen. You know, or you may steal his girlfriend. I don't know. Shit happens, man. Like, it's Texas OU, man. What can I tell you? Craziness ensues. But our other pick'em games. So that's one of our two. Um, yep. We have LSU going to Missouri. I believe they're like a six-point favorite, maybe even a seven-point by now. LSU is as a road team. Uh, Washington State goes to UCLA. The home team is favored in that one. That's a Pac-12 network game, so I'm not watching it. Uh, and then Purdue travels to Iowa, and Iowa is about a three-point favorite at home. And I think that would bump up to like a four if, like, a, like a, if Noah Shannon is able to play. Okay. And that's, of course, obviously premature because we don't know if they're actually going to vote this week. It's sure. the NCAA. They could wait to November. Right. You know, it just it just seems like it's moving very quickly. So any any of those other games jump out at you before I go about Iowa's last week and this week? 
No, no, they look like pretty good ranked games for the most part, except for Purdue Iowa. But outside of that, no. Okay, so the we'll do we'll pick all four but the Purdue Iowa because I think we'll probably end her there. So the big evening game, Kentucky Georgia. I assume we're both picking Georgia. Yeah, I just I think it's the Bulldogs, man. As much as I like the idea of Kentucky being able to go in there and give them a little bit, but uh, I think at the end of it, Georgia's just a little a little too talented, and um, they may not be Georgia of years past, but I think they'll they'll still win this game. Yeah. So LSU Missouri taking the home team or the road team? I'm taking the home team here, man. Honestly, just because I think LSU was given the favorite points because of who they are versus Missouri. I'm going to say this right now. LSU's defense is dookie. Like yeah, it's, they, it's USC or, level bad. It's for the team that has a lot of talent. That defense is ranked really poor on, you know, in total yards. I think that Missouri, while they're not dynamic, I think that they have, they do, they do a few things right, both offensively and defensively to make things interesting. And I think that they'll, they'll pull it out at home. Yeah. Okay. I'm picking Missouri. LSU. Okay. So that's where we that's where we're different so far. Mm-hmm. Washington State going to the you know Washington State feuding with Pat McAfee, uh, Cougars, facing the Bruins. Who you got? I'm taking the Bruins at home, man. I know everyone like I know Washington State's ranked number 13th in the nation. They looked really good against in that game against Oregon State. Here's the thing: is that I think UCLA has enough talent on the offensive side of the football to give Washington State trouble, plus they're at home. So, yeah, I'm taking UCLA. Okay. I'll be upset. And I know their favorites are, what, three-point favorites? Or yeah. Or two-point favorites? Still, it's, it's an upset on ranked versus number 13, but I'm taking UCLA here. All right. I actually agree with you. I think what UCLA probably wins. And, I mean, it is basically a pick em at three. It's hard yeah. to say definitively. But, like, they yeah. lost a close game to Utah, and Utah's yeah. got a damn good defense. And Washington State's is good, but not that good. No. So I'm going to go UCLA. So we okay. probably differ there. One game, LSU versus Missouri. Now, yep. I think we'll both pick this game, but I also want to circle back to, I forgot a topic to t- to discuss, the anti-Iowa, basically, of college football. But right. Purdue at Iowa, who you got? You're going to hate me for this, man. I'm taking Purdue. I don't the only hate reason you. Why, okay, the, the, here's hear me out. Injuries on the offensive side of the football have been piling up for the Hawkeyes. Mm-hmm. With Cade McNamara now down with an ACL tear. Is Caleb Johnson playing this week? He is. Or is he, I don't know. he is. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I've seen very little about Deacon Hill other than he's a big boy. He is, really, a, he is a rather large human being. Yes, he is a large man. Six three, like listed, a, I think, at two fifty eight. Yeah, like goddamn. That is being a that's a generous two fifty. I'm saying that dude's like pushing two sixty. Like he's like two sixty two maybe. Um, but he's a big dude on the field, an unknown for me. So I really can't speak on like what his potential is. Um, I just think injuries have piled up now. Noah Shannon does play. I know that changes a lot for the defensive side of the football. I think this won't be a very pretty game, just like it wasn't last week. It's never it pretty with game. Iowa. When's it pretty? I know. I know. That's true. Well, you guys thought it was going to be pretty in week one, you know, on the first play of the game. you know, That was a hell of Kate, a start. Kate, Kate McNamara throws this 35-yard bomb. It's like, oh, shit, we're going to have an offense. And then it just derails after that, right? Unfortunate situation with that guy because I know he put everything he had into himself and that his legs just fell apart, you know? it just, Yeah, the quad sucked, and then but, the knee. Oh, yep. brutal. Um. I think Purdue. I think it's. I think Purdue. Not a. It's not a shocker because they're both not ranked, but I think Purdue pulls this one out. Okay. My gut tells me that, man. I am gonna tell you why I think you're wrong. Because I go for it. So number one, obviously, Cade's hurt. Done done for the year. ACL's torn. Yep. But he was already playing hurt. So at the very least, it's a lateral move to go to Deacon Hill. Okay. But I actually think it's a positive because it changes three things at the playbook which is a complete indictment of Brian Ferentz that he couldn't change the playbook due to a, a player's limiting injury. The fact that he couldn't adjust is insane. But you think Iowa, what kind of plays do you think about? It's play action. It's the bootleg. 
you know, to get the tight end in space, to, you know, to get the run, sure. like to get those drag routes in place. And it's the QB sneak in close yarded situations. Hell, they ran three straight against USC in the Holiday Bowl in a straight up Kirk Flarence just flexing on everybody moment, right? All three of those things were taken completely out of the playbook at the start of the season. Like, okay. we, we just can't do it. Like, Cade can't get the ball, like, those, those stretch P, the stretch play action, can't do it because his leg literally can't, he can't accelerate fast enough to get the ball where it's supposed to be, even to fake it. He also can't run a bootleg without potentially getting it worse. We saw that against Penn State. The guy could barely put his leg down. Still, True. it was a busted play, so he got 20 yards. But if the if the linebacker had stayed home, it, it was yeah. maybe no gain, right? And no QB sneak because you don't want him pushing with that leg. You don't want him trying to actually push a pile. And he's not a very big guy. That completely changes with Deacon Hill because he can run a play action. It was it, we ran a bootleg within the first like five plays Hills on the field, right? Like that just didn't happen the first five, four, you know, four plus weeks of the season. And the QB sneak was back and it worked. Like we converted a third down. Like the playbook actually looked like Nate Stanley era Iowa. And I don't know if the guy's as good as Nate Stanley, but he's as big as that dude. Sure. And I forgot Nate Stanley actually set the quarterback. Uh, squat record. I want to say he did over a, did over five hundred. Like he was, he's a he was a big dude too. He can actually like move in the pocket a little bit. He's not a statue like Petrus. He's a little quicker. I don't think he's quite as mobile. Like even Stanley could move a little bit, and he had a rocking arm too. But he also had a changeup. He could slow it down. He could you know hit that guy over the top. I don't know if Hill can do that. But he's also not hurt, so the full playbook is open for the first time all season, which is something to be said about that, especially because of the comp the level of the defenses we are facing going forward are nowhere near as good as we have already played. Sure. Except for Wisconsin, the best defenses we will play this whole season will be Iowa State and Penn State. You know, and we went one and one there with a hobbled quarterback. Plus, we're getting Caleb Johnson back, who was the starting number one running back Patterson is date like it's a soft tissue thing so like if he as soon as he's ready to go he's going it sounds like it was a like a borderline sprain kind of thing so he's been gone two weeks decent chance he's back this week limited if not for sure next week Lachey is done for the season of course he had surgery but if you get Noah Shannon back the defense gets more like even better and they're already very good at yards per play they're almost at, at four which is like very very good i think s and sp the sp plus rank has iowa as the best defense in the country which i think is a little fool's gold because we're not getting any pressure but that changes if you have a even better defensive line if shannon does indeed come back and that's all an if but for me it comes down to hill is a better option at quarterback than cade at 70 percent Okay. At the very least, we're going to convert a third down once in a while. Like, that's, you know, that's just the, as long as you do that, the defense is on the field less. They're more efficient. They're going to be fresher, right? You're putting them in more advantageous positions because you're moving the chains once or twice to get Tory Taylor involved to pin him deep. Like, you're playing a more complementary style of offense to lean more on the defense, which is all they need to do. That's what worked so well the last few years even with a terrible offense, as long as you can get to the fucking 40. You don't even have to cross the 40. And Torrey Taylor's going to set your defense up in prime position. That's all they need to do to be successful, to win 9-10 games. I think Deacon Hill can get them there. Okay. Based on what we've seen, because he had six drops. Six. Like, 11 for 27 doesn't jump out at you. Throw in the six drops. 17 for 27 coming cold off the bench in a game you did not expect to play. That's not bad. And that dude, he can absolutely sling it. He's actually got a bit of an attitude to him about like, hey, I love the deep ball. I'm going to throw as deep as they let me. They might not even let me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like, when you're talking about six drops. Do you have concerns about the receivers getting the ball? Two of them were from Eric All, and I don't worry about that. I think it was a case of beyond maybe the one receiver who has not seen the field much. He has got a just an absolute missile launcher for an arm. You wonder, 
were the hands getting up fast enough because they've been used to catching from Cade McNamara for over a month now since he's come back uh, from the injury in fall camp. You know, you wonder, I mean, I know I, for me, you're catching a softer Cade McNamara pass guy who's not getting a whole lot on it because he can't step into his throw. And then here comes sure. big arm Deacon fucking Hill just firing at you. Especially that second one. It hit, it, his hands were like this. They weren't extended yet. His hands were like just getting up and the ball hit him. Just like, oh man, that's a practice thing and a timing thing. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. Which I think they can work out. I don't think yeah, it's a I mean, talent thing. A week of number one reps with the guys, that way they get their timing on when to reach, you know? Yeah to get to the peak of the catch uh, that does take practice between receiver and, and, and yeah. coach. And I do so. think it's an, it's a crime against football that Cooper DeGene is not getting wide receiver reps. It's a crime that did you see the pick that he had? Yeah. Like just perfect feet down yeah. corner over the shoulder catch. The guy is an absolute stud of an athlete. I'm not saying play him at corner like some other people are saying or at, at quarterback, but he needs to be wide receiver number three right now. Because Seth Anderson is very good. We're just not getting him the, any targets. He's just not getting thrown to, which is crazy to me. Like, he's getting open. He's great. He's, he runs really good routes. Ragini is a good is a really good slot receiver. And you have a great tight end in Eric All. You need a third option for those three-route concepts. Maybe in the four-route trees, you got to get DeGene on the field. At the very least, he would demand a primary defender because he's the fastest dude on the field. Like you can't leave him in a zone. You put zone coverage against him, he's gonna he's gonna destroy you. Even if he only gets ten snaps a game, you have to change your entire defensive structure if he's sure. in the slot or he's on the outside. You have to give him attention, and then that frees everything else up. I think it's insane that that's not in the playbook. Any other coach in college football looks at Cooper DeGene and goes, "Hey, you want to play both ways and maybe get into Heisman conversation? Cool, let's do that." Because he's that kind of athlete. And it's crazy to me that he's not even in the... Con- like, there's no plays for him. There's nothing in the playbook for him. I just don't know what the fuck Brian Ferentz is doing. We've had plenty of discussions about Brian Ferentz this year. Because, I mean, look at what they were doing with Travis Hunter. Like, I was following yeah. one of the Iowa guys. He's like, Cooper DeGene is what everybody thinks Travis Hunter is. Cooper DeGene is the guy that is Chris Gamble. Remember him from Ohio State? Yep. Deshane's that good. Put him on both sides of the ball, for the love of God, and let him return punts. He's electric. Give him the fucking ball. Uh, it's, it's just wild to me. So, needless to say, I'm picking Iowa. Okay, no, that's fair. I mean, I think I think for me, the biggest unknown is Deacon Hill. That's really it. Oh, I completely you know, understand. So when I say just not just that, but just injuries were, were piling up, I really think about this game could be kind of a you know a low scoring dog fight i'm like well maybe just my gut says purdue can really pull it like hudson card has shown little glimpses here and there of being a pretty good quarterback you know and oh I yeah think... he's a, he is definitely i think the best quarterback in the big 10 west yeah so i think i think that purdue just kind of sneaks one out at the end here it could wait be... are they in the west or the east Don't yeah even ask I, me. I i should know this my brain is absolutely failing me yeah, they're in the West. They're in the West. I think they're the easternmost West team, which is what threw me, because they're in Indiana. Wait, no. Are they? The, no. Chicago. North, no. Yeah, they're, they're east of Northwestern. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. They are the easternmost team. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, I think I think that's I mean, hey, it's a good it's a good opportunity for us to kind of separate, you know, mm-hmm. and, and for you guys to gain some ground on me. Indeed. Yeah. So the Pickham standings right now, Fusion's got 19 points. He's in the lead. Uh, Eddie Mack, he's got 17. He's in second place. Then we have a two way tie for third between me and Shadow at 16, and then Gamma has 15. Less uh, less what tie went four and one last week, so she's at eight points because she's missed a couple weeks. So. Yep. So she's definitely gaining some ground. If she has a good week this week, she's up into the double digits very quickly. All right. So anything else we want to touch on here? Uh, you know, man, uh, USC. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, that was one up. for sure, yeah. USC, uh, Colorado, I know. Amazing like... game. I was golfing while it happened. Me and Joey, we had the. I had my phone on. He had his phone up. We, we, 
I guarantee you people could hear us from like multiple uh, holes around us because we were losing our minds as the, when the comeback happened. It was incredible. It was twenty-one nothing, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Like this is gonna yeah, they're get gonna roll ugly. over and die, and then all of a sudden, that Gus Johnson magic starts kicking off on the from the announcers booth, and you're like, yep. "Holy shit, it's happening!" Yep. And to come within a touchdown, you know, the onside kick uh, at the end of the game. Look, man, I people shouldn't be jumping off of the bank, Colorado bandwagon, and they're not. I think, I think, I think maybe just major media is a little bit, but they just they don't have the bodies on the on the defensive and offensive line. They just don't, man. And injuries <laughs> have hurt them. I mean, they're two starting, like you know, Travis uh, Hunter, uh, not Hunter. Uh, yeah, he's still out. Travis yeah, Hunter. yeah, he's out till next week. And then uh, Shiloh Sanders, his other his other son, the safety, they were both out last week. I yeah. mean, it's just like, what do you? <laughs> They don't have an offensive line. They don't have a defensive line. Like all things considered, I will say that when you look at in their deficiencies, they play very well. Like they're coached very well. So the next thing is that team brings in some big names. They bring in some speed and some top talent, and they're going to be dangerous, man. That being said, we do have to ask the question: Is USC legit? Because on that broadcast, I don't know how if you had the volume up the entire game, but like. You know, people were talking up pregame and into the game how USC has this super talented defense, and I just don't see it, man. I don't know what they were talking about because I don't they got, see it. I think it was at San Jose State that just torched them. Yep. You know, it's like they're a team that's like, oh, we can outscore anybody until you don't. Yeah. You know, it's a lot easier to be a team that can stop everybody than a team that can outscore everybody. And given that, I think, was it Oregon that just lost a running back? Yes, they did. I think you got to imagine Washington's the favorite in the Pac-12 right now. What did I tell you, man? I told you. I mean, Williams is incredible. I think he's the number one pick for sure. But only a great QB can only carry a defense so far. Yeah, You know, like, that's what held up, you know, those, those great Oklahoma teams. Same exact problem. They couldn't stop anybody, not when it mattered. And and USC's is their defense is worse than all those teams under Riley. Like, that's not great. Come playoff time, and I don't know if they'll get to playoff time. That's why I think that if if this is this is why I mean I was very I'm not saying I'm still not gonna say Texas is back, guys. Still not saying it. Not gonna do it. But I will tell you. They are they they play very well on both sides of the foot. Actually, all three facets, including special teams, they're really good as well. So, I think um, I think this is a team like if it were Texas versus Michigan for the national championship, that would be a really a damn good game just because yeah. of the depth on defense for both teams. But like you know, I, this week I'm really looking for you know uh, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, you know Anthony Hill. I'm looking for that defensive front of Texas to give them hell like they did last year. The only difference now is that I don't think it'll be 49 nothing. I, I think I think it's going to be a much closer game this this year because you know Oklahoma's offense is. They've been running up the score, which means that a lot of their players, a lot of their guys, including their freshman quarterback, uh, have been getting a lot of reps. So it's like, okay, these guys are ready, and they're going to throw everything out there to to try to to kick to bite back. I just think that Sark had Sark's Sark's play calling has been phenomenal, man, on offense this season. Just like there there has been stretches where there's a drive in each game where you're just like, what the hell was that? But it feels like, okay, there's a schedule for that drive, whatever. But outside of that, like, his play calling, every every other drive, it's just phenomenal, man. Just phenomenal. So the opposite of now, Iowa. Now, they've got to get touchdowns, not field goals, because Auburn, their kicker, he's he's very suspect to me this season, and I don't trust him. They they have the talent to, you know, to score in the red zone. But for me, it's like, get – Get get your six. Don't go for three. Get your six. You're, it's going to be a tougher game against Oklahoma because Oklahoma will try to air it out over you. And your safeties are are good, but they're they're not as speedy. And there have been a couple of moments against like Alabama, against Kansas, where you they're not exposed. But then it's like okay, you could tell that they're not the fastest second safeties. You know. Yeah. So um, it'll be a very good game, man. I'm super excited for it. Hook 'em horns. I'm hoping for an ass whipping because. I love saying it's whatever time of the day and OU still sucks. 
Fair enough. That's what rivalry games are all about, man. Yeah, it's going to be a great slate this weekend. I mean, we got, you know, for uh, for our Pick'em games, it's, you know, 11, 11 a.m., 2.30 on yep. Peacock for Iowa, and then Kentucky, yep. Georgia, when that wraps up. I mean, I'm getting some burgers ready. I'm going to get my wings ready, and I'm going to have a great day watching college football. And the the I, Hawkeyes are undefeated when I make my wings. I didn't cook for the Penn State game because I thought, okay, we're we're not going to even be fun to watch. But every other game I had, so I might have to get some wings tomorrow and get nice. ready come Saturday. Well, hell, there's I mean, there's like, Louisville is now ranked. Notre Dame's playing them. Yep, on, uh, that's going to be another great one. Like we got some it, solid games this week. Not quite as loaded been, as last week, but still good games. No. I I think yeah, I think this is going to be a good slate of college football on Saturday. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Well, I think we're going to get out of here. A little yes. shorter episode today, but still 50-some minutes, so that works for me. Um, we'll stay tuned next week. We'll discuss the reaction to the week's games, Iowa-Texas, as usual, plus our pick games, as well as any other major breaking news, like maybe new NCAA rules will have changed again by next week. Who knows? Um, you can follow us individually, at Mr. Warburg, that's me, or at It's Mr. Fusion. You can follow the show at Two Back Set Pod. I think it's at Two Back Set on Twitter, and I'm still yep. going to call it Twitter. Fuck that shit. Yeah. God, do you see the thing with the fucking links thing today? So yes. goddamn dumb. Did you no, but and the internal the, engineers are like, no, this is stupid. No, like, did you see the thing about the streaming, the game streaming stuff? Oh, wait, what? He streamed a game. He was playing a game today and he was streaming it on 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 Twitter and he's like, Yeah, we, we may not be able to beat Twitch right away, but we're going to be the, the game streaming platform here very soon. Like do you, do you the know same how website goddamn expensive same, that is. The same website where you've had to you've you have fired backend engineers, quality control engineers, integrity engineers, developers, and then and on wanna, top of all, and that, you want to go back to live streaming? Yeah, I mean they had they own Periscope and all that tech, but like, do you know how much, how many hours that will be? How expensive that will be to run? Because they don't own like server space like that. You know what I mean? Just, like Amazon know, has AWS, they they can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You can't, and, Twitter. Hey, here, here's the problem. He's not paying his bills to AWS like he was, like he's behind. So it's like, that's the biggest problem is the server loads. And that's why Amazon, that's why Twitch is still part of Amazon. And it ain't going anywhere because AWS backs it up. That's really it, man. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. You know? And yeah, it's crazy. It's that, just, yeah. I yeah. He, he, I just saw earlier, he streamed a game and he was talking about how they're going to take over. It's like, well, you better start spending money, man, to build out server space to because. Well, I guess Meta's bringing back Mixer then. <laughs> oh God, dude, Mixer was such good tech. God, that, that tech was awesome. That code was pretty damn good. Their man. their low latency was like milliseconds. It was awesome. Yeah. And Kick was and Kick has actually a really good code because their latency is solid. The problem is it's it's being controlled and ran by a bunch of gambling addicts and perverts. Yeah, That's really just it. stay off that platform. It's, yep. Don't bother not with great. It, man. Not great at all. But all right, that's enough diatribes. We're going to get yep. out of here. See yep. you next week for week seven, episode seven, where we dive through the reaction to college football and where we stand next week. See ya. Have a good Saturday. And go Twins. Hook em horns.